what you have already done. God, we thank you, God, that we have an expectation, God, to what you have already done. Not for what you're going to do, but for what you have already done. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you that our hearts are open and receptive to receive your word on tonight. And we bind every attack and every assignment that the enemy was sent out against us on tonight in Jesus' name. God, I plead the blood of Jesus over our minds, over our bodies on tonight in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, for our helper, our teacher, our standby, the one who walks alongside of us, the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go back over what um, I went over about two weeks ago. Um, just to do a refresher course, and then I'm going to give you some more on dealing with what I taught, which was communion. Amen. Is it as hot down there as it is up here? Amen. Is it as hot down there as it is up here? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Jesus so we don't have to keep burning up. Amen. Hallelujah for Jesus. We should be praising God. Hallelujah. We talked about communion. We talked about what communion is. It is a fellowship of believers by which they gather together to remember the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a fellowship of believers by which they gather together to remember the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know what communion is. And I gave you a verse of scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So we see here what um, communion is. It's where we gather together, where we're in fellowship, and we're celebrating really the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say this, we don't have to wait until second Sunday to do communion we can take this communion as often as we like. Amen? So we can take it every day that um, we need to take it. And it puts us into remembrance of what Jesus have already done. Remembering communion, we're not trying to get something done. We are um, giving God glory for what Jesus done on our behalf. Um, I talked about what are some of the titles given for communion. We see the title, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, Communion, and also sacrament. When we look at the Lord's uh, suppers in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, verse 20, where they're calling it the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table, 1 Corinthians 10, 21, and communion is 1 Corinthians 10, 16. So these are the names that you will hear um, during communion. They'll say, let's have the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table, let's have sacrament. And every time I hear that word, it's, I'm reminded of uh, Elno. When she says it's time for sacrament, so and then communion. So when you hear these terms, you're going to know what people are saying when you hear these terms. And I want to say that through the teachings that you get in that Clem, I want you to be aware of what God is doing in your lives. In order to go out and be a disciple, you have to be learners of Jesus Christ. You have to be learners of what he's teaching. Not man, but what he's teaching. And anybody that go outside of the teaching of Christ, you don't need to follow them. 
because the disciples were learners of Christ. It is so important. We got too many people going out and they're giving false doctrine. They're giving um, false teaching, which is false doctrine. And people are following them. And how this happens is once you build up your mind to what somebody is saying and it get rooted on the inside of you, you'll tell people they're lying when they're telling the truth. That's because what's have built up on the inside of you. This is why knowing the truth is what makes you free. You can hear truth, but if you don't know the truth, you're not free. So we want to make sure that even with me teaching you dealing with communion, you need to go into your word for yourself and you need to follow through on what you're being taught because if you don't follow through on what you've been taught, if I'm giving you false teaching and doctrine, guess what's going to happen? You're going to give it to somebody else because you're trusting me to give you the word of God. And everybody cannot be trusted with this word. Um, Judas Iscariot, he was a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus chose him, but he turned on Jesus for money. So you will find a lot of people who know what the truth is, but they will turn from the truth because they will be deceived. Deceived by who? By Satan. This is why I'm teaching on the pattern of God, the way God does things. And if you will go back through all of these teachings, you shouldn't have a problem with wherever you at or whomever you talking to if they're giving you something outside of what you've been taught you don't receive that you don't even debate on that and that's what the enemy wants you to do he want debate amongst the saints of god you don't have to debate because the truth is what it is and if the truth is what it is you don't have to prove to nobody what the word of god is saying the word will take care of itself so once you give him the word, I believe Jesus, when he was in the wilderness and he was being tempted by Satan, what did he do? He said what he had to say, and he went on. Each time Satan came, he gave him the word, he went on. But the Bible says that the enemy was going to come back at another season or another opportune time. So understand, even when you're given truth, even when you're given the word of God, you're going to be tried by this word. You're going to have circumstances in your life. And the enemy going to say, okay, let's see what you do with that. Because the enemy want to be exalted. And the only way he can be exalted is through man. And he's going to use whomever he can to get in position to do what he want to do. He want to be high and he want to be lifted up. So I advise you, when you're getting taught in here or whomever you listen to outside of here, I advise you to follow through with the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you have to say on this? Holy Spirit, is this in connection with what Jesus said? Because the word of God says the Holy Spirit only testify on what Jesus has said. He's not going to go outside the word of God. So if you're hanging around somebody and they keep throwing scriptures at you, the devil throws scriptures at Jesus, but he turned them around. What you have to do, you have a helper. He walks alongside of you. But the problem is, if we don't spend time in the word, we're not going to know what the word is saying from, for ourselves. It's what's written in the Bible, which is logos. But until you get rhema, from what's written, then you will go for anything. 
and you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that the Holy Spirit is enlightening you. He's giving you illumination. He's letting light shine upon that word. How do you know that it's the Holy Spirit? Because there is a feeling. It's, it's like on the inside of pulling. It's like a joy. It's like a light bulb that come on and you begin to praise God because you know it was the spirit of the living God. That didn't come from you. You know it came from him. So be careful. Do not take these classes lightly. Do not take these teachings lightly. God is giving it to you so you will be aware of false doctrine. Amen? So we learned about what some of the titles are for communion. Now, who instituted the communion? We know that Jesus did this. Remember, Jesus, he had followers, so Jesus had to train them. And he had to instruct them dealing with communion. And we look at um, Matthew 26, 26 through 29. It tells you about Jesus sitting down with the disciples. Mark 14, 22 through 26. Luke 22, 15 through 20. And we also look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. This is the reason why we have it. It's because Jesus, he instituted it. He sat down with his disciples and he explained communion, what it was. Do not let somebody tell you something and they cannot give you an understanding on what they're telling you to do because anybody will tell you anything just to make you feel like they don't know. I advise you, if you don't know, say you don't know. Don't say you know something that you don't know because you're going to trip on that. You're going to stumble. So we see that he instituted it, and Jesus gave Paul revelation and insight on communion. That's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Paul received that revelation of communion from Jesus. Remember, Paul didn't walk with Jesus like those other disciples. So Paul, evidently, he had to read what had happened with Jesus or was told, and he got revelation through him. It was revealed. So Paul ended up talking to the Corinthians about communion. That's why we need to get into the word of God and let the Holy Spirit reveal. Let the Holy Spirit make known to us what the word is saying. Do not pull out a verse of scripture and just go on that scripture without knowing why Paul or why Peter or why Jesus said what he said. You got to get an understanding of why this was said. Some people will teach scripture, and what they'll do, they'll get um, a lot of scriptures that say the same thing, but it don't, act, it don't have the same meaning. So you got to understand what the meaning of those verses are. Don't just look at it because it's saying the same thing. This is how the enemy trip people up. You got to know why it's being said in the word of God. Some people take it out of content to benefit them, to make people think that they're such great uh, scholars and they full of so much knowledge, but they missed it. And you know that they're missing it because that's not what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's not what the Holy Spirit is revealing. So what are the symbols used in communion? The table. We talked about the table. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 10, 21, and also in Luke 22, 30, and Matthew 26, 26 through 29. So it can be found throughout Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and also 1 Corinthians 10, 21. But the table, we see this table here. And on this table, say, do this in remembrance of me. So when we set this table out here, it's putting us in remembrance of what Jesus done. It is symbolic. Y'all, this is just a table. It's symbolic. 
You can put a table in your house and you can use that table to represent what he done just to remind you of what he done. It's just a piece of furniture. But if somebody come by and touch that table and you say, oh, you're going to die. You touch something so sacred and so holy that you don't supposed to do that. Don't even go around that table. Don't put nothing on that table. So people take these tables in church and they make them so holy that you better not even look at the table wrong. You better not even lean on the table. Like I told y'all before in a meeting I went to when I was one of the speakers. And what I did, I come off the pulpit and I leaned on it. And I leaned on it for a reason. And I think people was really mad because they said, how in the world can she come in here and lean on our communion table? But God ended up bringing it out, you know, letting them know you cannot worship a table. You cannot make this table your idol. This table is just to bring you in remembrance of what Jesus done. You cannot have people thinking they can't touch the table or if they lean on the table. Now, you want to respect God's house. And you don't want to just put everything on that table like drinks and spill everything on that table. Come on, anything that you have in anybody's house, you want to respect it, right? So you want to um, honor it, but you don't want to make it an idol. So the table represents... Um, communion. The bread, that represents communion. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, Luke twenty two nineteen, and like I said, you can find them in the other gospels that I just went over. And then we talk about the wine. That's the fruit of the vine. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and again, Luke twenty two seventeen through 20. So we look at all of this that is symbolic, is symbols of communion. So when you see all of this, you know and what this represents. So you know the meaning when somebody's having communion, why they have a certain table, they have the bread, they have the wine, which is grape juice. Some people use um, sometimes real wine. That's what they use. Now, if they're getting drunk off of that and the church is full on days of communion, you know why they're coming to get some of that good fruit of the vine. So (laughs) we want to be careful, amen? Then what is the meaning of the symbols? We talk about the meaning of the table. How many of y'all at home, and I know some of us don't, and that's okay, some of us have um, supper around the table with family. And the reason why we do it, because we begin to fellowship, we begin to talk about our day, we gather together around that table as a family. So we, as the body of Christ, when we have in communion, we're gathering together to fellowship, to be on one accord. And, you know, we're talking about the things that Jesus have already done for us. So that table is a place of love and fellowship. It's a sharing and communion. It is the family table, a love feast, a meal. Y'all know how it is when somebody set a table? You know, don't you, Joe? Somebody set that table, you in your mind, let's eat. Because you ready to eat, and you know the food was cooked with love. How many of y'all have people that cook for you, and you know it's cooked with love, and you can only say, thank you? Because they didn't have to, but they did. And you know the love that they have for you. They will not have you missing a meal. And you grab them around the table and you feasting upon what was cooked for you. So that's what that table represents. Think about it. When this table is set on Sundays for communion, we're seeing the bread. We're seeing the wine. We're seeing the fruit of the vine sitting there. Oh, check this out. Already prepared. It ain't nothing we have to do but take from it. 
Isn't that awesome? Because Jesus already prepared it. He already made a way for us. So we're not just taking it to get something. We're taking what's already prepared for us through Jesus Christ. So we look at the bread. This represents his broken body. Matthew 26, 26. When we begin to look at that bread, what we need to see is what Jesus done on our behalf. That brings us into remembrance of what he done on our behalf. That bread is broken. That's why it's broken. Because it represents his body. It fulfills the body of the Passover lamb and all sacrificial bodies of animals under the Old Testament times and covenant. We know that Jesus is the bread of what? Life. John 6, 48 through 56. It reminds me, y'all, when we're dealing with bread and we're having that communion, when you think about in communion what he's already done for you, you're not taking that bread to say, God, please heal me. You're taking that bread because it's bringing you into remembrance of what your father done on your behalf. And when we think like that, when we gather together, we don't take it lightly. You don't take communion because you're hungry, because you didn't have your breakfast this morning, or because you're a diabetic and you need a little bit of sugar, you know, just drinking the wine just to build up the blood. You know, you ain't doing that. You're taking it because of what he has done. And then we look at the wine. We know that the wine is representing the shed blood that Jesus shed on that cross for each and every one of us. And I want to say he left none of us out. What we have to understand is his blood was for the remissions of sin. If Jesus didn't shed his blood, there would be no remission of sins. And I want to make this clear. Some of us get so holy than thou that we forget what we done. We look at what everybody done and we put sin on a scale. Big sin. Little sin. They look at lying as a little sin. No, if you lie, you steal. And if you steal, you're going to murder somebody. So if you start out lying, you're going to end up murdering somebody eventually. That's with your mouth or whatever it may be. You're going to end up putting somebody down. But we put sins in categories. But sin is spelled the same way, S-I-N. So it don't matter what you done or what I done. All of us fell short to the glory of God. That's why he sent his son. Because none of us in this room could save ourselves. So when Jesus shed his blood, he was saying, I was doing it for Buddha. I was doing it for Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a terrible man. Y'all, he was killing the Jews. He was a murderer. Guess what? Paul was a murderer. He was Saul, but Paul, Moses was a murderer. Come on, we look at Rahab as a prostitute. Come on, a lot of people in the Bible had past. But guess what? Because of Jesus, he didn't look at their past. He didn't do that. That's what love does. Love don't look at what you've done, how you've done it, or when you did it. But when you know his love, guess what? It covers a multitude of sin. So we see that the blood represents, this represents his blood, which was a signification of the new covenant. We go back to Matthew 26, 27. Mark 14, 24, and Luke 22, 20, and 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. Now, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, but each one back up the other. So if I give you a test, you can pull one of them. Amen? But we all, all of us need to know where we can find it in the Bible. 
That's why I give you all the scriptures so you will know where it's at in the Bible where you can, um, how is it, let it be established by two or three witnesses. I'm going to give you Matthew, but I'm going to let Mark be his witness. I'm going to give you Mark, but I'm going to let Luke be his witness. And I don't establish it with three witnesses. And if that ain't enough, come on, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to Paul. Well, Paul didn't um, know Jesus like them, but he got revelation on. Now, you got four witnesses. If you don't want to accept that, so be it. That's how we're supposed to do it. But so many people are so um, out there when it comes to the word of God. Some people think they're the only one that know anything. Nobody else know, but God is so simple, y'all. You don't need a bunch of scriptures to say that you're a scholar. If you got one scripture and you know that one scripture, live off of that. And when you get that one down pat and it's rooted in you, guess what? Get another scripture to back that one up. Live off of that. But you got to live off of the word of God and know what the word is saying for yourself. Some people may um, be further along than some people in the word. Sometimes you may not remember where the scripture is. That's why you ask the Holy Spirit. Where did I read that Holy Spirit? It's on the tip of my tongue. Have you ever said it's on the tip of my tongue? I can see it, but I can't recall where I read it at. Some people are so um, out there. This is what they'll say to you when you give them a scripture. Well, where, where do you find that at? Oh, Lord, as soon as they ask you where you find it at, you done lost it. It done went in the never, never land. So you just like the best thing for you to say is, I'm going to get back with you on that because I know what the word of God says. That's not going to make you feel less. But if you sitting there and trying to figure it out, you're going to look more stupid than ignorant. People are going to say, oh, no, you don't know. But you do know. And then some people are like this. God is doing this for a reason tonight. You may say Moses, but you may mean Aaron. People will cut off all your teaching and say, you don't know the word because you should have said Aaron and not Moses. So do not lose people. I have a Thea back there when I may say one name and I know who I'm talking about. And y'all know who I'm talking about. But somebody want to be so politically correct that they'll say, see, she don't even know who she's talking about. And you know all the time. So what we have to do at times is the thea has to go in there and edit it and say, Apostle, I changed what you said, but I know what you meant. But I always tell her, change that. So this is how I am in the body of Christ. It'll be one person that'll make you look like you don't know. And it'll mess up what God is doing with that whole teaching. So this is why we here at Miracle Temple, we try to catch things. Or if it's not said the way it need to be said, or if I think it's said over somebody's head, I may ask the teacher, you need to go back and bring that again. Because the Holy Spirit will check it. If I'm listening to a teacher, and I told y'all this, if y'all don't understand something I'm saying, you need to come to me. You need to get understanding, because if you don't, the enemy is going to use that to take away what God is doing concerning the word of God. So we need to go to each other when we don't understand something and say, now, you need to break this down to me. I need a clear understanding of what you said. And when they give you a clear understanding and you still don't understand, you need to seek the Lord while he can be found. Because sometimes things that people say, they know what they're saying, but you need to go home and say, Lord, why is it they're not catching what I'm saying? And the Holy Spirit will say, bring it back this way. Because sometimes it go over people's heads. Because some people get so indoctrinated, where in their, their um, 
robes and all their little tassels like the Pharisees that they want to be up here so they don't want to break it down because they want you to be down there. God want all of us to know. Even a little child, when you teach and write, can understand what the word of God is saying. I'll give you an example. When I was teaching before dealing with how the pulpit, people make it so holy and tell you not to go on the pulpit, and my little granddaughter was sitting over there with a granddaddy, and she whispered to him and said, Granddaddy, well, why is she up there? How could she catch that? Because, see, when you break it down so simple, a child can catch it. So now he got to explain to her why I'm up here. They ask questions. That's what we're supposed to do. But some of us don't want to go to people. I'm going to tell you why. Because you get afraid because you think they know the word so much. Is nobody in this place that know more than God. I don't care how long you study the word. If you get so big-headed and think you got ahead of God, then you serving Satan. Everybody missed it at times. Somebody can ask me a scripture. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me think. I know I know that scripture. I have to sit there and wait and say, Holy Spirit, okay, what are they saying? Or somebody may have read something that I read, but I didn't get the enlightenment on what they're saying because that was for them. It wasn't for me. So I say, okay, wait a minute, I'm going to get back with you. Let me go in there and see what God is saying. Do not act like you know, and you don't, because you're making a fool out of yourself, and you're going to be mocked. So when somebody asks you something, if you don't have an answer, just say, you know what, I don't have an answer to that, but I'll get back with you. And whatever you do, get back with them and find out what God is saying before you get back with them. And don't play this. Let me call apostle. And see what apostle got to say to see if I'm right or wrong. It's okay. But how many know when you call me, I say, sometime, go back and see what God has to say about that. What did God have to see? Sometimes people want it so easy and then they'll go back and talk to people about what people thought that God told them. God ain't told you. He told me and you went and told them. So then when they catch you again, you can't even answer right the next time. Because it didn't come from God, from God to you. It came from me to you. So get your own revelation off that word, and, it, and we won't be stumbling. Amen? So next thing I'm going to go over tonight is we talked about um, communion, but I want to go over in the Old Testament because we know the Old Testament foreshadows the new. The Old Testament will let you know what's yet to come. So in the Old Testament, I want to bring out scriptures that represented communion because some people hit you with this and they'll still be trying to live off of the old and we're in the new because the old foreshadows what? The new. So we look in Genesis 14, 18. Y'all know what was happening in here. Um, Moses, no, it was Abraham. He won that battle. And when he won that battle, the... Um, I can't even pronounce his name. Help me. Melchizedek. Thank you, Jennifer. See, I didn't mind her helping me with that name. I got red tongue-tied. At home, I probably could have said it. Anyway, he ministered bread and wine to Abraham at the receiving of tithes. And let me tell you this, what happened, and the Lord was showing me this when I was going over this today. Notice that he gave, he blessed Abram. Abram, before Abram gave him the tithe. Did you see that? Let's go back and look at it. Genesis 14. 
It says in verse 16, and he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return. I'm going to skip there. And verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, El Elyon. That's what the Most High God mean. But he was representing Jesus, actually. Now, verse 19 said, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. So, and he, and blessed be the most high God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Look at that. He was blessing Abraham before Abraham gave tithes. What am I saying to you? God already blessed you before you even thought about giving God anything. So why wouldn't you give him something? Abraham showed you here. He wasn't up under no law, but because of what Melchizedek done, He gave him tithes of all that he had. And people have a problem of giving. But when you know what Jesus done, we're going back to the communion. Communion reminds you of what he done. So you shouldn't mind, you should give him before he even asks because you are so glad that Jesus done what he done on your behalf. So this is where communion started at when they end up having the bread and the wine. This started with Abraham. So then another scripture in the Bible is that reminds us of communion is the Lord rained bread down from heaven and the water from the smitten rock also pointed to communion. Remember, they didn't have no bread. They were in the wilderness. Think about being in the wilderness. It's a wilderness and he rained bread from heaven. He's the what? Bread of life. So he put manna from heaven while they were in the wilderness. He told him to strike the rock, which is who? Which is Jesus. So there was communion right then in the wilderness that was leading to Jesus Christ. Everything in the word was leading up to the time. Y'all don't get it. I'm happy. Was leading up to Jesus Christ. So when you follow through with the word of God, you wouldn't be so amazed when you come in church and see things done the way God want them done. You'll be leaping, shouting for joy because you know I'm in God's house. Because this is God's way, not Apostle Amanda's way. She doing it according to his pattern and not her pattern. I'm going to have to bring this out tonight and I'm going to go over it more Um, next week if it's the Lord's will um, the Holy Spirit is reminding me of this when we look at communion we look at it as if we have to have special people giving communion you have to have people that's a pastor you have to have a person that's an evangelist you have to have a person that's kind of high up in leadership to do communion are you a believer do you give yourself communion at home nope That was slow. So when you come in the house of God, it's funny. If I ask Teresa to come up here and do communion, people say, is she ordained? Are you a minister? She should say, yes, I am. We're all ministers of Jesus Christ. She is a believer. So she can come up here and serve believers. She is a servant of the most high God. So if God chooses to bring her up to do it, she shouldn't get backlash and say, what is your title? Everybody got to have a title to do something in the house of God. No, you a learner. You a follower of Christ. They had to follow him first. Did they not? 
They had to learn, and he still had a traitor with him. Come on, he was going into apostleship. He was a traitor. Somebody had to take his place. So just because you got the title don't mean you ain't no traitor. Jesus chose him. He selected him. So quit looking at people saying, apostles selected them. Look at them now. Where they at? Where they want to be. That's where they at. You do the will of God, and whatever people choose, that's out of my hands because everybody got a choice. So we have to understand, we're going to do more teaching on who can minister communion. Because even in different services, they tell people, now you have your license. And those licenses said you can do sacrament. And they say, huh? Do what? Do who? Now that says that you can marry somebody. The justice of the peace married people. The magistrate married people and people counted as legal, right? So you can be standing up before somebody that say that they are a minister and they marry you and you find out they ain't no good. What you going to do? Are you going to say you ain't married? <laughs> so this is why we have to know what the word of God says before we put people in a place. We have to know. So we look at the Lord rained the manna from, from the bread from heaven. He scrubbed water from the rock. And we know Jesus, he's that spiritual rock. You can look at Exodus um, chapter 16 through 17 about the manna and the rock. And 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. Exodus chapter 16 and Exodus chapter 17. And also 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 6. Now, in the Old Testament, it talked about the table of shoe bread. Y'all know we talked about that dealing with the temple. It was in what place? The holy place? The holy place or the most holy place? Okay, it was in there, right? It was a room that you got to before you got to God, right? You had the lampstand, the golden lampstand, you had the table of shoe bread, and then you had the altar of incense, right? So we know that lampstand um, gave light, and that light shone on that table of shoe bread, meaning the bread of faith, the bread of his presence. So we're looking at that bread on that table, and it was a gold table made of gold, and it had 12 pieces of bread, which represent what? The 12 tribes of Israel, right? So it represented those 12 tribes. And so when that bread was on that table, we know that Jesus is what? The bread of life. But it was on the table. Look at communion right there. Right in that temple, he had everything that was representing Jesus Christ. So the table showed shoe bread, which actually means the bread of his face and the bread of his presence. You can find that in Exodus 25. 23 through 30, and Leviticus 24, verse 5 through 9. I'm going to give it to you again. Exodus 25, 23 through 30, Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. It was the bread of his face or the bread of his presence. Okay. Next was Elijah was fed by the raven bread and water from the brook. First Kings 17. Look at all this bread, y'all. The raven bought Elijah bread. He got water from the brook. So that bread was representing communion. And this was um, dealing with the famine for three and a half years. Look at how God takes care of his people, even in the midst of a famine. The widow 
dealing with the cake and the oil, how it was multiplied, represented communion. Again, in 1 Kings 17, I love this and how God told Elijah it wasn't going to rain for three and a half years. Can y'all imagine God telling you you're going to be in the midst of a famine? Come on, who want to pronounce that and you're going to be in the midst of it? I'd be like, I don't know about that. Ain't nothing but the devil because I'm going to eat me some pork chop and all this stuff. Your mouth start watering and say, oh, that ain't God. I'm turning deaf ear to that. But Elijah trusted God so much, he announced what God said. And I love this. As soon as he announced it, God said, now this is where I want you to go. I want you to go by this brook. So God is going to make sure you're taken care of. That's why in communion, when we take this bread, that healing that comes from the bread, not only for your body, but it heals you from the inside out. Even when your heart is broken, he bind up all of your wounds. Isn't he something? God, he come to heal the brokenhearted. He come to bind up all of your wounds. So each time you take communion, you should know this. Lord, I thank you for giving me my daily bread. Every day you have my daily bread. God, I'm not going to lack nothing because in your word, you're my daily bread. And when you begin to take communion and whatever is going on with you because you believe in him, that connection that takes place, you say, God, I am taken care of no matter what it looked like. So Elijah was taken care of. When the brook dried up, y'all, God said, all right, I need for you to go over here to this widow because she's going to sustain you there. Guess what? He was carrying the word. He was a prophet. He was the mouthpiece of God. So he had to speak that word. So when God took him to the widow, come on, God, you funny now. You know this widow don't have nothing. Now you sending me here. But he said, you have the word in your mouth. You speak what I want you to speak to the widow. So the widow was gathering sticks. She made up her mind. But God already prepared the widow that Elijah was coming to sustain him. He said, I already told the widow to sustain you. How many of y'all, God is telling you to give somebody something. You know, God told you to give it. And as soon as they come, you act like you told me to give this, not this. So she was going to get him some water. But Elijah said, wait a minute. He said, I want you to make me a cake. I want you to make me some bread. She said, I was just gathering sticks for me and my son to make the last of what we have to die. Didn't God just speak to this woman? I guess she thought, I'm going to go ahead and sustain you, but I'm going to die anyway, so I'm just going to eat the little that's left. But Elijah, by him giving her the word, and by her taking the word, he said, do what you're going to do, but first, give me the bread first. So she had to be obedient. By her being obedient, guess what? She had enough to live off of. We miss God because We're not obedient to him. When we're obedient to what his word says, it brings life. Who is he? Bread of life. So the life was right there. Only thing she had to do was be obedient to what was there. Y'all missing it. You got it in you. Life is already in you. Jesus is already in you. But that life comes through the word. Jesus said, I need the word. I want you to fill yourself with the word. And as you fill yourself with the word, you're going to connect with the word. Your soul is what's getting the word. The spirit is already full of the word, but it needs to be a connection so the body can live according to the word. If you ain't living, it's because you ain't got the word. You shouldn't be dying. Even in famine, these people didn't die. They lived. 
Why aren't we living when storms and stuff come? Because we're too busy trying to collect. And we're not waiting on God. We're too busy going here, there, and everywhere, seeing what we can get. Then when that get out, we try to find something else. Instead of saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? Now, this is the funny part. I was telling somebody about this. Before the storm came in, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this. We said we was going to open these doors for a place for people to go that didn't have nowhere to go. So we had O'Neal up in here and had Barbara up in here and Nay and Dolly was in charge of making sure everybody got in here to sign them up and everything. And so had another gentleman, he come in here, he didn't want to leave. But this is how God done this thing. We thought everything was secure in here, okay? We done had the roof patched and we done done everything and we said everything okay. Open the doors, let people go in there. So Nay, she up in here, she say, Pastor, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to ride it out right here, Pastor. That's what we said we were going to do. And we're going to honor our word, Pastor. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I said, okay, Nay. And I'm sitting at home praying. I said, well, Lord, you know. So this is the funny part. Nobody really showed up except that one man. See, God know what he's doing. So Darlene called me. I said, Darlene, I believe that um, you need to close the church. And you need to just go ahead. Everybody's going home and see if you can find him a place of shelter and just close the church. She said, okay, I'm going to look for a place she found in middle school. Right after that, after the storm, this place was flooded. Special over there in Barbara's Corner. <laughs> but look how God did. Look what God done. So you got to hear the spirit of the living God. So what am I saying to you? God is the bread of life. And when we take that bread, we can live, y'all. He is that wine which represents the blood of Jesus. So when we remember what his blood done, it puts us in a position to know that we're safe, that we're secure because of the blood. That blood that he shed, it covered everybody's sin in here. So let me tell you something. If you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling condemnation, you're feeling ashamed, it's because you don't know what God has done dealing with his son and how can we come up here taking communion and go back to our seat whining i don't have no money i'm still hurt what's the point of taking it when you know what he's already done that's why your heart's got to be right before you take communion and we're going to talk about that as well so we look in the um bible also it talks about elijah also was miraculously preserved for 40 days and the strength of the bread and water that the angel brought him that's first kings 19 so for 40 days the angel brought him bread and water first kings 19 now in exodus 24 8 we're talking about the blood exodus 24 8 moses sprinkles sacrificial blood on the people and declares this is the blood of the covenant that the lord has made with you in accordance with all these words so he sprinkled the blood on the people and this is what he declared this is exodus 24 8 and this led up to matthew 26 28 where jesus said for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many for the remissions of sin so see how the old testament foreshadowed what the new so when you're getting a teaching on communion you got to know where it started from 
you got to know what it represents. So when you're talking to people, it's going to lead up to Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm going to stop there tonight. Um, meditate on all of that that we went over and we will have a test because I would go on some more. But I know y'all probably say, no, don't give me no more. But anyway, meditate on that. We'll have a test on that. And then we'll move forward with some more on communion. Can I ask you a question? Did you ever think all of this in communion would be all of this? And it's more to come. See, this is why you need to be taught so you'll know how to present communion to those that come to you. Because the traditions of men make the word of God a none effect. You have too many traditions in the house of God the way man think it need to be. So they write what they believe and they want people to follow it. But it's not what the word of God is saying. And if you don't know what the word of God is saying, you building your mind up based upon what man has put together and not based upon what the word of God says. So this is what Clem School is about to give you the patterns, the way things are done according to the word. So when you go out or wherever you may be, you're going to know where you at and how they're teaching. Amen. Um, I want to say this right quick before I close. Um, We were in um, one Sunday, I guess it was Sunday before last. We had a um, lady that spoke a word